Hi everyone, welcome to Camilla Cava Food Photography Podcast, a place for interview talents in the food photography industry to help you and myself grow a food photography career. On today's podcast, I talk with Rachel Kornack of Two Love Studio, an Australian food and still life photographer based in Vancouver. As a photographer, Rachel is known for bright and uplifting visual storytelling. As a teacher, her love for educating has inspired her to share her knowledge with both novice and expert alike through her insightful blog, ebooks, and courses. Rachel has worked for clients like Nikon, HuffPost, Vestelm, Aldi, and many more. In this episode, besides talking about Rachel's decade-long journey working in the commercial photography industry, we deep dive into the topic of building a great food photography portfolio. So let's welcome Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so uh, lovely to be able to speak to you today. It's so lovely to have you here. I've been following your work for a while, so it's 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 truly an honor to have oh, you, thank you so on much. my podcast. Yeah. yeah. So for the listeners that might not know uh, about you, could you tell a little bit about yourself, who you are, what do you do? Yes, yeah, so I'm Rachel Karnick. Um Currently, I've added beverage work to my sort of repertoire. So I, I say I'm a food and beverage photographer these days. Yeah. Um, so I'm an Australian. I currently live in Vancouver, Canada, and I have nearly been doing this for 10 years, which is, um, just seems amazing to me. So oh, I sort of fell into food photography very, um, randomly and, but I had this like wild burning sensation inside of me that was like, wow, this is a thing and it looks so cool. And things just kind of happened from there. And, like 10 years is a long time when you look back at all the things you've done. Um, but consistently I've just tried to learn new things, tried to practice all the time, try to get better, failed a lot. Um, but you learn a lot over that period. So, um, I also teach how to do food photography. So Mm -hmm. some people may not know, but I'm actually a teacher turned photographer. So it's really special for me to be able to like bring that full circle and come back to teaching which I really love and teach Mm -hmm. about a subject I'm really passionate about so I'm super lucky in that respect wow yeah because you've been a teacher before you became a photographer how did you get into food photography in the first place then uh so I had just finished my teaching degree so I worked Uh as like a teacher's aide during doing my degree and then I worked in schools for a while and then I ended up moving states in Australia and now my teaching registration didn't automatically um, move from state to state. So I was going to have to do some new training Uh and I needed a job at the time. So I just had another job um, and I'd previously sort of discovered food photography and I was like just taking photos and sort of working on photography. And then I just sort of decided that, you know, the timing just felt like I needed to pursue this. So I just sort of started working on that part-time just to see mm-hmm. what sort of happened. Um, but I came across food photography very randomly. Uh, like most people, you don't actually realize that food photography is a thing, but it's mm-hmm. everywhere. Like every time we go grocery yep. shopping and there's there's food images everywhere, but a lot of people, they, they aren't conscious about that until you realize that it's actually a, a niche. Yeah. Um, and I came across Helen Desjardins' book, plate to pixel or my husband did actually and Mm -hmm. um he was like wow look at this and you can learn it and I was just mesmerized um by this idea so that's sort of how I came across it Uh uh-huh 
and then you've been doing it for 10 years my god how exciting yes. and is it still exciting to this day after 10 years doing food photography it's it's really interesting it is uh-huh. but it's also very different uh-huh. um i think you personally go through different stages as a creative um so it is exciting but it's exciting in different ways um and there's so much to learn with photography uh-huh. in general there's always new things to learn and I think I found drink photography recently which is really exciting or then you mm-hmm. might want to develop like a different sort of style or you mm-hmm. might want to do something that's more editorial or more commercial so mm-hmm. I think there's always ways for it to still be exciting mm-hmm. um it can be very monotonous as well so I think it's just a it's always a new mix of feelings that you mm-hmm. sort of have to work through that that's really interesting over time Interesting, yeah, because you can you can even specialize in specific, like what you said with the drinks, like you can specialize in drinks, and then it's a completely new world that opens yes, up exactly. niche within a niche. Yeah, which, um, yeah, and all the time learning what you say, because also technology develops and the needs for like videos, stop motion, then cinematographic. Yes, exactly right. Like so it's a, it's sure. always a mix of like sure. exciting, inspiring, overwhelming, and scary. I think. <laughs> Damn, yeah, true. Exciting. And then, um, I mean, another question that I have for you is you're doing so many things at the same time, right? Like you're you're doing your food photography. I assume you work with the clients as well. You're doing educational things. You're taking care of your social media. Like, how does it all come together? And how do you balance all of this? You because know, it seems like a lot. It is a lot. And I was asking myself this very recently, like, yeah. I used to do it all myself and I think how did I ever do that and I've really been trying to think about like was I just more efficient or was I more motivated or is there actually just way more to do now like every Uh single year and I think the answer is probably yes to all those questions. Um, I think after doing this for so long and thinking Mm -hmm. back to what you had to do 10 years ago, five years ago, today, there is so much more to do today and it's almost Mm -hmm. impossible to do it all yourself. And Mm -hmm. it is interesting that like people will look and think that you do all these things, but sometimes behind the scenes, it's like you may not be coping or you might not be actually doing Mm -hmm. everything or you might have help or you might be saying, people do say to me, like, they feel like I'm everywhere and I'm like, I'm definitely not everywhere. And I think some of that comes from, after doing it for so long, there is so much content out on there mm-hmm. at the internet that you can bump into me in multiple places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is a lot more to do. Like, you know, we're adding video and reels and there just seems to be so much access to so many different ways to like grow an online mm-hmm. business um, and a photography business these days that which do you pick and choose? So I, mm-hmm. I feel like I have been good in picking the things that like work for me. Like I I am on Facebook, but I never had like a Facebook group or a Facebook page that I updated because it just was too much and like Mm -hmm. I wasn't on Twitter. So I feel like I've tried to pick things that sort of uh, work for me, but also, Uh you know, as you move through your business, um, you want to sort of get people that can help you out. So I do have some people Mm -hmm. that work for me and help um, me run things, especially my emails. Mm -hmm. I used to do my emails a lot, um, but you know, like I love doing my emails, but they yeah. you get to a point where you could just spend yeah. all your time in your emails, you know, so. Yeah, that makes sense. So you build a great team around your business, basically. You're not doing that alone anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, and 
I, I don't think that I think that's a really hard thing to do is to find people um, that are good people that also mm-hmm. like have the ability to do what you need but also have like the time so mm-hmm. yeah oh, that's great yeah and picking your battles what you say prioritizing what you actually want to become super good at instead of doing a little bit of everything like it's, facebook group and instagram group and whatever like and yeah bit, and yeah. i think there's a, you that know like sense. it's tiktok and there's clubhouse and it's yep. it's all the things and like as a creative i think you know, like Google stories, it's, it just is never ending. It's going to, it's always going to be like that. There's I think it'll probably something. get worse uh-huh. as technology moves forward. And like, as a, like this idea of being a content creator is, is crazy because it's like creativity and creating content. They're not always aligned, mm-hmm. you know, like it's hard just to churn out things all the time. Um, so you have to, I think after a while you realize that that thing that you have that your creativity is really special and precious and you have to protect it and I'm definitely not it's something I'm still learning and I'm always you know having difficulties with boundaries and things like that Uh but yeah I think it is hard to do it all yourself so either just choosing the things you really want to focus on that bring you joy that also work for your business but then also getting people to help you too makes sense and um, out of curiosity, do you still work uh, with the clients? Do you still do client work or do you completely concentrate right now on education? My ideal is to have both. Um, mm-hmm. I do have clients that I work for um, and that's always changing. And I think one of the most interesting things is when I moved from Australia, um, I lost a lot of client base and I had to start over. And I always knew that that was going to take time. And Mm -hmm. when you move to a different market that's on the other side of the world, it's not like it's just another, you know, like in Europe it might be easier because things are a bit more connected. But, you know, from Australia to Canada, it's very different. It's very far. Uh-huh. Um, So I knew things I would have to start over again. Um, And it, it actually took longer than I thought because there's there's time when you move people have to get to know you but then we also had all the crazy stuff that's happened from 2020 onwards that put Mm -hmm. like a big roadblock in some of that so it's it's one of those things where that's just sort of the life of freelancer so I'm always working on like what I want to do and I'm very lucky Mm -hmm. at this point in my career that I can pick and choose the clients and projects that I want to work on um But I think there's always like, as you grow as a photographer, there's always, you know, different things or different clients or magazines or brands or Mm -hmm. jobs that you want to work on. So it's always something that I'm trying to balance between the two. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. How long ago did you move to Canada then? Uh, It has been three and a half years. That's really not that long time ago. Yeah. No, it feels, it feels like yesterday but also a lifetime because a lot's happened yeah, <laughs> in the world yeah, in that gosh, time yeah. you know so yeah, that's true. awesome well um what I really wanted to talk to you about is um and what I still didn't had as a conversation here yet on the podcast is about portfolio because mm-hmm. I love your portfolio and oh, I know you've you. also done a blog post about it as far as I remember yeah I, have a few, I, reading... I think I have a few actually yeah oh, yeah yeah so I, I thought it's a good topic to talk about because it's so important it is so goddamn important the good food photography portfolio if you want to find the right clients and if you want to find clients overall mm-hmm. so like my first question would be um like like 
how do you build a good portfolio? Do you have some tips and ideas? Yeah, um, I think portfolios have changed. Um, and it really depends on like what sort of jobs you want to do and what sort mm -hmm. of clients you want to uh, create. In a way, I think Instagram has also become like a, a portfolio. Um, it's a place for us to share things that we may want to like clients to know or we want to put work out there, but it won't necessarily make it into our portfolio. It's a mm -hmm. way that we can also like update it with a little bit more flexibility too. So I think these days, even though Instagram is changing, I think a lot of clients do want to look at people's Instagram as well because they also know that like we don't update our portfolio every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's a place for us to also share behind the scenes a little bit more about who we are. So I think Instagram and portfolio are really important uh, these mm -hmm. days. So if you're just getting started, I'd say starting to build like your Instagram portfolio is a really great way to start. And then you can start building uh, your portfolio. And one of the things that I think people get stuck with is they think that their portfolio is like set in stone or, you know, I've got to have all these things before I can launch it. But really mm -hmm. our portfolio is always evolving. So mm -hmm. I always encourage people to sort of get their best work, put it up, get it out there and then start making changes as you go. Because if you, you know, if you keep it in draft mode and you want to make it perfect, then no one's going to see it. Um, and that can take like, sometimes that can take months or years before people, oh, you know, are ready to like put that out there. So I would pick a tool, like I use Squarespace for mine because it's just very um, clean, simple, user-friendly. Um, yeah. Their support is really great. Um, so something that's really clean and minimal that, you know, people can really look at your photos, I mm -hmm. think is the main thing. Um, and then you can sort of get more into like, what would you actually like put on the website or your portfolio mm -hmm. site? So th this is an interesting one. And I've, you know, talked to many photographers and I've been to portfolio reviews at conferences and things like this. Um, so like people want to know, like, what is a magic number? of uh -huh. how many photos do we put in and I think it's really different and I've seen some photographers that just have 15 images in their portfolio and that's mm -hmm. sort of it and then I um Eva Kolenko who I absolutely adore her portfolio is huge like I could endlessly scroll through it I actually love it because her work is so beautiful so uh -huh. I think there's so many different things out there. What I would encourage people not to do is feel like they have to hit a number and just start putting lots of images in mm -hmm. So it can be really hard when you're starting out to get 30 images to put in your portfolio. So I would sort of start anywhere with like 10 to 15 that you think are really strong and then start to build from there. Mm -hmm. um, I also was lucky enough to do a portfolio review for Fanette Rickett, who runs uh, the edit framework. And I was, you know, I see this people doing similar things. And I definitely did this at the beginning, but we tend to maybe because we don't have as many images or maybe we feel like we have to show everything to a client. But if you do like one shoot, for example, and there's three images and they're all very, very similar, you want to pick the best, the best mm -hmm. one, ideally, mm -hmm. because people are, or clients are really busy. You know, if, if you scroll through to say, we scroll through like the top, you know, third of the website or, or something like that. You do like three scrolls 
and you have three shoots and there's nine photos and they're like three the same, three the same, three the same. You know, people are really busy. So like suddenly we're only showing them three things we can do rather than like nine different images as well. So we just want to keep in mind too that people are really busy. So how can we get like our best work out in front of them? So choosing like the best shot from one shoot. And one thing I learned from a really successful photographer um what he would do is if he just say he had three images from a shoot that he loved he couldn't choose between them what you can actually do is put the first one in then Mm -hmm. 90 days later you can swap it out for the next one swap it out (laughs) for the next one so there are ways that you can like share all of that Mm -hmm. it's just not necessarily all at once which is I thought was a really good tip and something um, that I like to try to think about that makes sense that's a really good tip Yeah. yeah yeah that makes sense yeah and uh then what would you say like in terms of the um because just putting all these images on the website is not enough right there still needs to be some sort of um curated way of putting yeah like a pagination yeah so one of the things that stands out for me the most was I sent my portfolio to a publisher this was quite a few years ago and I split up my portfolio into light and dark because it's just I feel like everybody was doing that at the time and you look to people and if they're doing that you sort of copy them Mm -hmm. so again these people are really busy and he looked at my portfolio um, which is very kind and he wrote back to me and he said really love your work but I wouldn't hire you because you can only do light work and we really need someone who can do both and I was like I actually, I have a dark portfolio. It's just in a different part of the website. And he was too, he was too busy. Cause imagine how many, these people are trying to do their job. They would get so many emails um, and he didn't click around and that's not his fault. Like we need to capture people quicker. So that was Mm -hmm. a, I've never sort of split it up like that again. I've always made sure my portfolio was paginated to show different moods I can capture, different light different food, different angles, uh, mm-hmm. different stories, you know, different shadows, all of those things I try to make um, in a way that's cohesive to move through the portfolio. Because again, we want to capture those people's attention quickly. And I want to show people like that. It, yes, I can do light. Yes, I can do moody or I can do really dark or I can do hard mm-hmm. shadows and light shadows or color backgrounds and, you know, white surfaces. Um so that was another really huge learning for me a couple of years ago. And that's kind of how I focus on paginating uh, my portfolio. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So from the first look, we can see that you can do a lot of things. Exactly. Oh. Some people also um, have like a quick portfolio. I've seen them do that, which um, would be something like what you see on my portfolio. And then they would have different galleries that they might want to explore. Maybe it's a particular subject, like maybe it's just cocktails or mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's like advertising or tears that they've done. So there's different ways that you can split it up. And I think it just needs to be clear on your website. Drop down menus, I think don't work as well. Sometimes it's like mm-hmm. having all those different tabs on the side. So it just depends on how you want to structure it. So sometimes there's those things to think about when you get like a, a larger body of work. Yeah, I was curious what you think about that, um, like splitting the portfolio and like savory sweet or whatever, or drinks, food, or things like that. I mean, that for that reason, I tend to like want to have that quick portfolio. But then Uh I think if you want to do that later, or like a portfolio that says like best work or something like that, I do have a black and white gallery on my website that is separate and Mm -hmm. 
there's like a clear call to action to that. Mm-hmm. But that's not something that people will search for like as much. So I, in my opinion, that's okay to like split up. So, but everybody needs to, sometimes what works for me is not going to necessarily work for everybody. So you do want to like, when you take advice, just take the things that you think are going to work for you. Try things out. If they don't work, you know, then you can explore other techniques as well. So, yeah, that makes sense. And then um, you mentioned that you have black and white as a separate tab on your website. Is that because you would love to attract more work because uh, you love doing black and white images? Or is that because it's completely I, different category? Yeah, those? it sort of feels like when you put all those black and white images together they they really tell this amazing story that's cumulative Mm -hmm. so I really felt like I wanted to have it separately on the site just as like a passion sort of project so that people can look at yeah yeah it's it looks so pretty it's such a cool (laughs) project like who would think about doing I mean food is a black and white but it just looks really pretty yeah yeah yeah, it can be a really interesting project for sure Yeah. yeah really nice Awesome. And what do you feel about putting um, client work in the portfolio as well? Or do you basically uh, only put portfolio, portfolio, like a passion project in there? Yeah, I I think it depends on what it is. And again, sometimes you can have those like breakdowns. Um, Mm -hmm. One advice that I did get from a very well respected photographer was to not just put your best work in and that can be hard so even though I say like you need to put your best work in what she's sort of saying is like if there's an image that's good but it's not your favorite or maybe Mm -hmm. like you don't love it as much maybe it shows some sort of skills or different stories it's it's still important to add some of those types Mm -hmm. of things so sometimes like client like we all know that client work can be really rewarding and sometimes it also just is what it is so the client needs something very specific and it's not like our favorite shoot but if you can still put that in your portfolio to show certain skills then I think it's really valuable so I think it's going to come down to the individual um and maybe you have you know maybe you did a client shoot and you're like this was really fun and then maybe you explored like a similar theme or something in your personal work and you want to put that in instead I think that's fine too Mm-hmm. interesting but why is um because i've heard about this advice not to put the best of the work in there um why do you think that is is that because you'd want to still surprise a client or something i'm not sure i mean i think you you always want to present yourself in the best possible way and clients mm-hmm. are going to hire you for things that you've done so someone is not going to hire me for something that I've never done. Mm-hmm. Not nece- I shouldn't say never because I have had clients sometimes do that. And I'm like, this is not what I do. Why, why, are, yeah, you, yeah, why yeah. are we talking about this? Um, you know, but like if we talk about drinks photography, people didn't ask me for drinks photography before I started doing drinks photography. And now mm-hmm. I get a lot of clients asking me for that work. And that's because they can see it in my portfolio. They see me doing it on Instagram and they, they like it. They can see that what's possible. So it might not necessarily be like your best work, but you want to show them like what you can do and what mm-hmm. they can hire you for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can get really caught up as creatives as we only want to put things out there that is like best or perfect. And maybe they mean rather than best work, maybe they mean perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you can get really caught up in 
because nothing's perfect and then we wouldn't put anything out and you can look at your portfolio even six months later and think oh I don't that's not my best work anymore you know so oh yeah yeah I would look at it as you always want to put forward like the things you want to get hired for what Mm -hmm. you're really good at so that clients know that those are the things that you can produce yeah and I think don't put things that you didn't like photographing as well that's an important one like if you didn't like specific thing and you're not passionate yes, about like it. Yes, like events. You know? I don't do events anymore because I don't enjoy them. Um, yeah, I, well, so I did I it once don't. and I was like, nope, uh-uh, nope. I really did not like it. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a different type of, of shooting and I think it's okay yeah. to explore and then say this is not, not necessarily yeah. for me. Yeah. Exactly. You can try it out and yeah. Yeah, nice. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. So when you plan, um, let's say you do you, okay, let's say you look at your portfolio. Do you plan your shoots, like portfolio shoots, the, the passion project shoots around the portfolio to develop a portfolio further or not really? Yeah, I think it's always good to, to ask yourself, what skills can I still work on? Mm-hmm. Is there any gaps in your portfolio? Um, sometimes, you know, I think there's certain things like I've been exploring things that are a little bit more like, I don't know what the word is like, but it's also like a pop art, you know, like it's on a brightly colored background, uh-huh. you've got hard shadows. It's just very like a highly stylized scene. Um, I don't really have that in my portfolio. Do I want to put that in my portfolio? Would I like clients to hire me for that? Is it something I'm interested in? And if the answer is in, is yes then maybe that's something I'm going to sort of explore Mm -hmm. Um, maybe it's like food subjects as well that you don't have so I think it's a combination between like what isn't in my portfolio what am I interested in and what new skills do I want to bring that I can start working on to add add to my body of work yeah makes sense and then on portfolio projects you work by yourself or do you work with a food stylist I have worked with, I had a a lovely food stylist in Melbourne that I worked with a lot before I moved. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, making those connections does take some time, but it's, it is really wonderful to work with other people like art directors and stylists, uh, even prop stylists so that you can like work on different things, get inspired, Mm -hmm. learn different things. So I think those things are important too, because there are clients and jobs that require you to be a team player so it's really good to show them that you can work as a team. So definitely something I recommend. Makes sense. You worked with a prop stylist as well? How does that work? Like I never worked um, with a prop stylist in, Yeah, so in North America, and or the US specifically, mm-hmm. food styling and prop styling is two separate jobs. Yeah, um, interesting. In Australia, they're usually the same person. So it just mm-hmm. really depends um, on where you are. Like those mm-hmm. jobs might be different yeah interesting and then the agency decides or like like a client or agency decides whether to work with a prop stylist or is that you that suggest like you should work with a prop stylist and food stylist i think in the states like most agencies would like know they need to hire someone mm-hmm. they would have someone okay perfect i was curious because here i also didn't got the chance to work with prop stylist but i think that would be really cool as well yeah it's um you know, like to have access to props or even like a place that like, you know, you can rent them from. Um, There was a a stylist I met in Toronto and she had collected props for 20 years and she had this 
amazing warehouse that you could rent things from. Um, Yeah, and those people are very valuable too because they've been doing it for so long. They know what works for every sort of story that clients want to tell too. So That's great. I should do more research, but I don't think, because usually it's either agency arranges themselves or indeed a food stylist, but they don't have that much stuff. Or it's yeah. me that arranges. So that would be really it probably cool. de- yeah, it really depends on where you are. In Vancouver, uh-huh. it's not. I, it's not like I've experienced in Melbourne and Toronto. Maybe because that's more of a film scene. There's more mm. like propping for films, which is not what I. It's it's not someone that I would hire because it's very different. So yeah, it could be. But you usually work now on more commercial type or editorial type of projects with. Uh... Oh, I still say more editorial, mm-hmm. yeah, like magazine work or not. Yeah, and client and just people who are looking for like social content, um, mm-hmm. website oh, yeah. stuff, recipes, those types of things. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, one more random question because now I just went the completely <laughs> random direction. But are you getting on TikTok or not? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the battles that you picked I th- more concentrating on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I think too, like, uh, this this is sounds silly, but I just think as like a creative, you mm. know, there's our energy is so important and like mm. being on the computer and the phone all the time, I just find really a draining. And I think if you want to be on there and put effort into it, that's great. But I just think getting on there because everybody else is on there and not doing it well is actually not for me personally. It's just going to be a bit soul destroying. So I would really have to like want to be on there, and maybe yeah. that would change. Like maybe if Instagram disappeared completely, yeah, um, maybe it would be different. But I also just feel like I don't connect with with what's going on TikTok currently, and I can see the TikTok vibe coming onto Instagram, and this is like. I'm not exactly what I'm interested in. So. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Because what you mentioned, you either become something super good or if you're just doing some random videos because others are doing dances or whatever, it just doesn't make any sense. So you either put a lot of time in it or it's just, yeah. 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 Makes sense. Nice. Okay. Now, a couple of like uh, questions about your courses, because I know you have great, great educational resources, oh, books you. as well, right? Like, um, yeah, e-books. just like an like e-books guide. Yeah. So first of all, how did you like, well, obviously you, you became more educational because you were a teacher beforehand. So you decided to share your food photography skills with others. I, I guess how it really started, like I never intended to to be any any of this really like if I think back to when I started I just did it for fun um Mm -hmm. and I started working for clients full-time and that was sort of there was some things happening uh in my life with family members being sick and Mm -hmm. it was like probably years like I was like going full-time and then I had to pull back because something happened and then going full-time and pull back so I ended up going full-time and mm-hmm. I had a really tough year. I worked very hard. I made no money. I was completely burnt out and I had to take time off. And I said to myself, I really want to teach editing uh-huh. and I have to do this for me. 
And so I spent three months just writing the content for my Lightroom course. Um, I had no expectations. I, I was like, I really just, it's something that I really felt like I needed to do for me. And I really wanted to teach that content and I was really passionate about it. So mm-hmm. the response was really great when um, I first told people about it and people, it, like it's still one of my most popular courses and people love learning it. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and I think I've always loved, like I always started with the blog even before I knew what mm-hmm. it was going to turn into. Like I was there to share what I was learning. That's mm-hmm. that's how the blog started. So it's kind of just a manifestation from that. And what I've really found over the years is like it's just another way for me to create that I almost enjoy <laughs> a little bit more than taking photos sometimes like the whole editing videos part isn't but like I get really excited about putting content together and thinking Mm -hmm. about how can I teach people this tool really powerfully Mm -hmm. that's going to help them um, create something they're really proud of so that's kind of how that started Um, and it's been four years I think I've had that course for four years four years Uh uh-huh yeah so Lightroom one was the first one. And what else do you have right now? Because you have more courses for sure. Yeah, I teach. Uh, so I have a composition one and then uh, Photoshop. Um, mm-hmm. And composition is important because still life photography is so hard and we have to create a scene from nothing. And I think that's one of the most, the hardest things that you can do in yeah. photography. So that's really important. You need that before you get to the editing stage. But the... The editing is what I'm really passionate about. Um, And I also teach tethering, which is kind of like it bridges composition and editing together. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I love learning the parts of editing. And for me, it's really like sitting down with that final image and putting all those beautiful final touches on it before you put it out into the world. I find it very calming and therapeutic. I know not everybody feels like that, but yeah. I just hope to share like my joy and passion for it to help people like just put those final touches on. So, oh, that's great. And which of the courses would you say is the best one to start with? If if people want to start, I think it depends on yeah, it depends on your level. So, Mm -hmm. I create courses a little bit like how I like to learn. So Mm -hmm. I don't like to do courses that like touch on a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. I sort of go into it being like, I want to learn how to use Photoshop and I want to know how to do this and this and this and this and it. And so I sort of created my courses to like really focus on that one particular skill. So I think it's really thinking to yourself, like what is the next thing that I need to learn to like move my photography and my photography career forward? So I do always like people will come to me and I'll say, just send me an Instagram. Like I'll take a look and I can give you my advice and tell you what I think mm-hmm. would be the next step for you. Cause the other thing you don't want to do is you don't want to take all the courses at once, get overwhelmed because there oh, are so sure. many pieces uh-huh. to do. So I think working on like the one, the next thing that's going to move your photography forward mm-hmm. and then just really diving into those skills and practicing. And then, you know, things will start to come a little bit second nature and then you can like, take a take a new thing on Mm -hmm. so if you're fresh out of the gate um sometimes if your composition isn't really strong then it doesn't matter what you do editing wise Mm -hmm. 
you need to sort of work on that first piece. But then once you get like the hang of that, then we can start moving into editing. So that's sort of like what I suggest. Mm-hmm. So start yeah. with composition and then probably as a beginner, start with Lightroom and then go into Photoshop. Yes, yeah. It? Yes, Photoshop Lightroom is easier for them. Yeah, and Photoshop people. is more, you know, when we want to retouch things like removing yeah. blemishes, removing objects, compositing things together. So that's the next sort of more advanced skill mm-hmm. that I would recommend. Um, but yes, I guess I don't have a course on light, but I have an ebook. But yeah, light is very, oh, very, very, is very important. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, light is uh, very important. And um, yeah, because I've done the composition course, by the way, it's really, really good. So I really recommend Thank you. Uh, it's really good because composition was one of the hardest parts for me because I'm not like I'm, I'm not coming really from the art background. I'm not I don't know, like I really need to learn things before mm. I can start playing around. So I think yeah, the and I think that's really one helps. of the myths that's out there is like you're a born creative and that nobody is born knowing knowing these things some people will have an eye for things and sometimes we Mm -hmm. actually get more sort of like compositional um, information from our environment like Mm -hmm. what's aesthetically pleasing like a lot of us actually get that just by living and looking at nature Mm -hmm. but the idea is like how do you like if this looks aesthetically pleasing how do you replicate that so then you just you can actually learn those tools. So really I was, I was not super artistic before I started in photography. So if I can learn it, anyone can learn yeah, it. Nice. You know? That's good to know, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I think it's encouraging because a lot of the time, yeah. like if you saw my Instagram now, you would just think maybe I was just lucky or maybe I always had mm-hmm. it in me. It's it's a hundred percent not the case. It's very hard to see someone 10 years in and think, uh-huh you know, they started exactly where you did. But uh-huh. 95% of the time, that's exactly how it happens. Yeah, and that is indeed very encouraging to hear. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. And then I'm actually thinking about following the Photoshop course. So I'm just wondering um, how much is it from, let's say, for the beginners or how much is yeah. there like for advanced because I've been editing for many years but I still feel like I probably can learn a lot from it no from for the photoshop uh-huh yeah so photoshop is a huge program like it can do so much and I think when I first started out it was so overwhelming it's not intuitive like you can't just move a slider and see what happens you actually have to pick a tool you have to set a setting and then you have to know how to apply it it's honestly like painting with a canvas so it it was very overwhelming for me but there was a point where I had to have it because a client was like I don't like what you did here you need to remove it and I was like whoa (laughs) I I can't do that so (laughs) over my career I realized it was like five main things that people Mm -hmm. or clients will want you to do Mm -hmm. so what I do is I teach and I I actually teach the course of my husband which is very um it's so nice because he Uh sort of taught me everything that I know and he's very knowledgeable so we teach it together and we just start out with here is how photoshop like works in terms of layering and masking and then we just cover like the five things that you need to know Mm -hmm. like the five techniques so like removing objects straightening things um compositing and then like light sort of enhancements and things like that Mm -hmm. So we cover those. So it's like we we start out with like foundations and move up. 
So even if you like are really good at editing, Photoshop is the idea can be it's a little bit different. So Mm -hmm. I've had students who couldn't even open Photoshop who are now like layering and masking. So Uh we cover how to get set up. And then I think the thing that's really exciting, I find exciting, is that there's it's Photoshop is one of those things where you have to sort of problem solve. So you look at a thing and you're like, okay, I want to remove this object. Mm-hmm. There, there could be four ways that you could do that. So we kind of go through like, here are the four different ways mm-hmm. because every image that you come across, there'll be something, there'll be one of those ways that is going to get you better results mm-hmm. than the other. So it's more about like getting you to think about like how you can use those tools to match what you need to do. Mm -hmm. So it is more of a sort of like an advanced skill, but if you're a Photoshop beginner, we will hundred percent take care of you and we will make sure that you know exactly which tools to use and when to get those things done in the images that you need. That sounds great. Yeah, I really, I think it's, I use Photoshop with every photo now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you can integrate Photoshop with Lightroom and Capture One so that you have a seamless yeah. uh, workflow. So that's what I do now. And I'm always just doing a little bit of retouching. Not that you necessarily need it, but I think you get to a point in your career where just a couple of changes you can really them, just yeah. polish an image. You know, yeah. we're not we're not there to like modify or perfect. It's just if you can remove a few little distractions, mm-hmm. suddenly the melted chocolate is like the most important thing. And that's what we're really trying to do as a photographer is push people to those like stories and the most important hero elements in our photo to tell that story. Exactly. And yeah. the, like, cause you can still do it with, let's say Lightroom and you can still do the removing, let's say objects in um, Capture One, but it's just way more complicated than with Photoshop. Yeah. it's You get a lot more control with yeah, Photoshop. So sometimes it's a matter of like just knowing which tools and like the settings so Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those programs you just need someone to walk you through because again you just don't have a slider that you can use to see you know what happens so indeed yeah Yeah, nice awesome well I have a couple of closing questions for you sure um what is most fun for you about your work most fun (laughs) that is an interesting one um I it is interesting because photography I don't know if photography has become less fun for me over the years but because it's become my job and I'm Uh always seeking to improve my skills it's just become something different but if I think about like was most fun I would say Mm -hmm. it's probably beverage work right now maybe because I'm just really inspired or I've found some creative momentum with Mm -hmm. that. Um, I really enjoy retouching uh, like bottles Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, I just love the analytical process of thinking of getting all those assets and then seeing them to come to life. So that's currently what I'm excited by. Um, It's a tricky one, the, the bottle photography. Wow. Yeah. Well, it is and it isn't. Um, I think once you, at the beginning, yes, but um, mm-hmm. I took Rob Grimm's beverage photography course. Me um, too, I did that too. Yeah, which was really it's interesting. Good. So I think it's really, like, it's great to learn. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because it's, like, a, a different sort of niche. Um, mm-hmm. If we think outside of food photography, my husband has 
a bit of a problem with collecting film cameras. Um, <laughs> he has many. And we took this like really just point and shoot old uh-huh. plastic, no settings camera to a wedding just to, to take some film shots. So I think those sort of things slow you down and you get to do something different. We're finding that to be fun right now. Fun, yeah, super. Oh, that's so much fun. Awesome. Then uh, I was wondering if you have some recommendations of books or courses or um, let's say um, other photographers um, that are good sources for inspiration and learning besides, of course, your wonderful courses because that's... I would say trying to find things outside your niche. So Mm -hmm. when I did the beverage photography course... Um, and let me know if you want me to send the link to that. Um, it was more like commercial level. So something very different to what Mm -hmm. I was normally doing, but you, you just see how other people work and how a different industry works and how Mm -hmm. a different level of photographer works to you. There's just so invaluable to get some of those, um, skills. I will also say, uh, B. Lou Bass. I love everything Mm -hmm. that woman does. And I've, you know, been lucky enough to teach beside her. Um, so like attending her workshops, mm-hmm. she thinks very differently to me. Um, and that's just wonderful because then I get a sense of something maybe less analytical than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really taught me a lot about color. So a lot of the color that I explore these days is because she gave me like the confidence and understanding through like her, workshops and the things she does on Instagram too so I highly recommend anything that B does is amazing mm-hmm. um and then my husband actually I mean he doesn't have a course per se but he's like a photographer and he shoots for um like a clothing company mm-hmm. and what I find really amazing about his work is he the way he uses lines um because it's very you know like they it's not still life where you create everything. He's taking the environment and making it interesting. So I think finding things outside your niche and how you can bring them into your work is really uh, is really cool too. Um, there's lots of food photography books <laughs> out yeah. currently. Um, yeah, I love Joni Simon's yeah. um, book, Picture Perfect Food. Yeah. And what Joni does really well is like she is so good at bringing stories in from her life into her work. I don't mm-hmm. do that as much. And I think it's a really interesting way of like looking back on experiences that you had and how you can bring in some of those elements for you into your work. Um, mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend just reading that book and thinking about how she does the storytelling. Um, you know, like she, talks about there was a time like she went to to brunch with family and like uh-huh. how she can bring those feelings in from when she was younger into her work so you can be inspired by the scenery around you like I could be inspired by the colors of where I live and like how do I bring that in so just I always any way that other people see is just so fascinating and really important I think yeah awesome. hopefully that helps that was a long yeah, these are these are good very very good tips very very good ones yeah yeah um awesome then my last question for you would be where can the listeners find you 
So I'm on Instagram at Two Loves Studio. So that's my Instagram. Um, and then my blog is twolovestudio.com. So I have lots of resources on there um, about food photography. It's just solely, I just solely write about food photography. So it's a great way to like learn about, you know, like you could want to learn about focus uh, or camera settings, lenses, composition, editing, um, pricing, so many things. So those are the main two ways um, that you can find me. I also reply to all the blog comments. So I know blog comments aren't as cool as, you know, they were about seven years ago, but if you still leave me a blog comment, I will reply. Oh, nice. Perfect. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. This was such a great information. I'm sure the listeners are going to love us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.